Hello, and welcome to Fighting Over the VCR. My name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. And this is the podcast where my sister and I talk about movies we grew up watching. Some are from the 80s, some are from the 90s, some are from before and after times, (laughs) before and after that. For this episode, we're going to dive into the early 80s. Uh, for a couple of uh, fun 80s movies. Um, But before we do that, I just wanted to um, harp back to an 80s movie that we we talked about a few episodes ago called The Karate Kid because I've been watching Cobra Kai and I am two... I finished the two seasons of it and I would highly recommend it. It's been a lot of fun. There's a lot of cheesy factors to it, but getting to see um, a continuation of that story has been a lot of fun. So I wanted to recommend that. I hear um, it's great. Uh, Jack is, um, I think he finished it. And I have I remember on Facebook, I think last weekend when people were po- posting that they were watching it, it's like, oh yeah, I'm watching it too. I'm watching it well, too. Everyone started watching it a week ago. And I think most people yeah. have sped through it because it's so good. Well, I think that it's, e- it's an easy watch. Every episode's about 30 minutes. And but I think the main thing about it is it's very much touches on a lot of the same themes from the original movie. And we spent a lot of time talking about like bullying in the, you know, when we talked about it and, um, you know, that's a huge part of it. So I would say that, you know, since we're kind of reliving some of the movies that we watched, it's interesting watching this show because they show a lot of scenes from the movie and they really harp back to it. And, um, it's a, it's a really good continuation of the story. And, um, you know, it's, it's almost like, like what we're doing with the podcast where they are looking back at their history and seeing how it plays out. So Mm. it's kind of fun. I'll be checking it out soon. Cool. But, um, so later in the show, we're going to talk about a, a classic teen comedy um, called Fast Times at Ridgemont High, um, which is excellent. But we're going to get started off with Nancy talking about um, a movie that I know that we watched a lot, Uh probably primarily because of the music in it. Yes. (laughs) But um, which for the most part is when we watched it, we were like, all right, this is great. And now I'm listening to it now. I'm like, man, this is terrible. I'd never listen to this music at all. But, um, I know shocker, right? But anyway, um, Nancy's going to get us kicked off by talking about footloose. (laughs) Let's dance. (laughs) Yeah. Footloose. You guys footloose is so much fun. I think footloose. So Matt already, I thought he was going to steal my thunder and compare Footloose a little bit to Karate Kid because that's what I no. was feeling a little bit rewatching. Not, this. I don't. I I don't think that it's really. I would not make that comparison. I think it's definitely kind of still kind of you know new kid in a town getting kind of picked on, but yeah. but getting not in fights. In the same, and, not although in the he same had more, way, he, he not had in more friends. Ren has more friends. Ren Ren certainly built a gang that, better. That is than, definitely than, that is definitely not the main theme though. No, of this not like Karate Kid. Bullying is not the main theme of Footloose. Um, 
But Nancy, I'll let you get started. You picked this movie. Yep. Well, Footloose stars Kevin Bacon as Ren. We get Laurie Singer as Ariel. And John Lithgow as the amazing preacher, um, Shaw. Diane Weist. Reverend Moore. Reverend Moore. Um, Diane Weist plays the mom, um, Vi, uh, the Shaw's Shaw's wife and Ariel's mom. And it came out, this came out in 84. And I mean, just from the opening credits, I was, I was watching it earlier. I was like, I don't think there's an opening sequence. I like more than this movie. Just the fact that, you know, the song catches you right away. You see all the people dancing in my research. I found that the pair of gold shoes are worn by Kenny Loggins. Good for the, Kenny the dancing Loggins. gold shoes. Anyways, this this movie is fun for a lot of reasons. I mean, so becoming out in the early mid eighties, it almost feels like a very long music video in some ways. You know, MTV was really big at the time, and there's this movie almost like kind of walks the fine line of it's not a musical because people aren't stopping and singing about what's happening. But there is a lot of music and there's a lot of dancing. You know, it's like there's a lot of people that kind of break out in a dance when they hear music because music is outlawed, you know. M- music is outlawed because um, a tragedy, you know, fell onto the town. You know, kids got drunk. It's, and It's only outlawed in this town. Don't make it sound like it's some dystopian future where not, all music is outlawed. But, like, hey, guess what? This is, actually, this is actually loosely based on a real story, like on a real town. And this sure. actually happened. Um, but, you know, the reverend's son died. and But this all happens way before the movie starts. So music has been outlawed. And when Kevin Bacon comes to town and he sees how ridiculous it is that there's no dancing, there's no quiet riot, there is no men of minute work, <laughs> there, are, there is no band called the police... Um, he he doesn't get it, and you know he really he really likes to you know tap his toes and shake his butt and dance, and when he's told he can't, he just is like, excuse me, I don't like that. And after after dealing with a lot of other just nonsense where he is being singled out and picked on, not just by fellow students, but by the people at the school, like the teachers and the coaches and. His uncle, his uncle is a jerk. Um, Ariel's boyfriend or soon-to-be ex-boyfriend Chuck. All these people are just kind of singling him out, and he's just like, I'm fed up with this. And he kind of realizes, you know what, I think I think we need to bring some music and dancing back into town. And that becomes like the big project in the, in the film. And I just think it's so much fun. I mean... You get there's a there's a lot of great music. I mean, I don't I know you don't like it. I still currently have a lot of the songs on this soundtrack I on will, playlists. I'll, I will I'll give I'll give props to Quiet Riot and um, John Mellencamp. You know some John Mellencamp. In you don't there. actually like as much '80s music as I do, though. I don't like that '80s music. <laughs> like like kind of like the mainstream pop. Was yeah, it your, there's a was lot it your of jam. Yeah, top forty. Not, no, no top forty for me. I mean, the song Footloose. I was like, is this Kenny Loggins? Yes, doing this. I'm like, oh great. So 
this, so if if it wasn't for this, we wouldn't have Danger Zone. Correct. <laughs> you know, it was it was like the gateway drug to Danger Zone. Was although Footloose. although he had a song I think in Caddyshack, which I think he he was like the soundtrack king of the eighties. Him and Alan Silvestri. Well, Alan Silvestri doesn't <laughs> sing. So. No, but I mean, you you could get the two of them in there, and you're you've got like the score and the songs. Is yeah. that how this is going to work? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like this this movie is really interesting. I mean, you've got like again, you've got Ren's story where he's you know this fish out of water. He's up against all of this, just what seems nonsense to him. I mean, in any other town in America that he could have moved to, he would have been able to continue living mostly his normal teenage life and not be so criticized or um, told, hey, this isn't going to work. But he's dealing with that. And then you also get to really dive in and see how screwed up the main, like, I, I almost, I want to almost like call him like the first family because religion was so important to this town. You know, Ariel, yeah. John Lith, you know, John Lithgow and Diane Weiss, like they were kind of like the main family, the leadership of the town how broken they were, you know, like they were still, they still had PTSD from the death of the son that they never really worked through. And Ren no. coming to town, I think was also to help them heal and move forward because Ariel, I think naturally would have been rebellious anyways, but then you have all of these other expectations and dramas that are pushed on top of her. I mean, her dad would have probably been protected of protective of her anyways, because she's a girl, because she's the youngest, but also knowing that the, her older brother died made him just want to like keep her in a box. But every time we saw her, I mean, after the church introduction, now John Lithgow is the first voices we hear in this movie after we hear Kenny Loggins' song. You know, he's giving a sermon, and then you're like, you know, it pans across the crowd, and you know, Kevin Bacon's looking around like what the hell is this? Um, but when they get out of the, you know, when the sermon's over and all the little, you know, pleasantries and introductions are done, the very next scene is Ariel going off with her girlfriends, Sarah Jessica Parker included, driving down a two-lane road, and then her nutty boyfriend, Chuck, who has antlers on the top of his truck. Did you notice those? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how you knew it was his truck. Oh, God. She ends up doing this crazy chicken thing where she ends up crawling across out of her passenger window into his window and, like, is standing. I mean, it's, like, one of the most iconic scenes in the movie, and it happens in the first, like, seven minutes. And you get this sense right away, like, this girl is crazy. (laughs) You know, this girl is, she's either got a death wish or she just... You know, she's just pushing the limits as far as she possibly can. And, you know, because later she she stands in front of a train, you know, she wants to. She's looking for an escape because she just feels so trapped. And throughout the whole movie, she talks about how she's getting out of this town. Mm -hmm. Like nothing's going to hold her back. And, um, you know, and, and like you had said, you know, they her family never really properly grieved. Mm -mm the loss of the son and she's just she's she's acting out you know she's reacting yeah. she's 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 suppressed so many things that you know she's seeing a shitty boyfriend and she's you know being reckless 
you know, in she's being reckless in a sense that, you know, she's going against her father's wishes, which are not, you know, in our minds, not that reckless. But she's also doing reckless things like standing in front of a moving train and, you know, tempting fate, you know, and. And and dating a bad boy. I mean, I think of that alone. I mean, that's a that's not as reckless as an outsider, an outsider. Well, before Ren, I mean, Chuck, Chuck is a big jerk. He's a big jerk, but he's also the son of of one of the the people on the on the city the, the city mm. the like council. Yeah. So he's kind of he's he's privileged in a different kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> he's not rich privileged. He just is you know a, a council member's son. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I don't really know how to explain this movie other than I mean, it is so it's like pure eighties. I mean, I, if anyone was to, like, open a time capsule of the 80s and have, you know, like, 20 movies that were required viewing to really kind of grasp a sense of what the 80s felt like. I feel this is required viewing. I, um... I may, you know, I haven't watched this movie in a while. Um, I've, I remember we watched it, you know, pretty I watched often. It a it, lot. It, <laughs> I think it was it was definitely on television a lot, so yeah. we didn't have to, like, pop in the... the, the um, the VHS tape that often, but and we did have a dub of it. You know, I think the thing about it to me was I I agree that it is kind of like a long form music video, but in a lot of ways it's also a mu- to me it's a it's still a musical just with not like the singing. And the more I think about it, I was like, you know what this movie is is this movie is really no different than the other 80s movies like Breakin' and, like, all those, yeah. like, any movie that was, like, dance-themed. I mean, even uh, a movie that you really like, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, also Sarah Jessica Parker, which involves dance yeah. and everything, ends up being kind of, is kind of like an 80s, like, dance movie. Kind of like how in, like, the late 90s and early 2000s there was, like, Step Up and, like, Save yeah. the Last Dance yeah. or whatever. You know, it's that same kind of thing where it's like it's not really a musical, but it's an avenue for music to be played in like almost a full song in a movie and make it part of the story. And I don't know where that got started. I was thinking like maybe maybe that was kind of like like uh, a result of the of that movie and then TV show Fame. I think even earlier than that, though, I think Saturday Night Fever would probably be even an earlier. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. dancing was the whole, you know, was the whole story for that movie. Right, uh, right, that right. That came out in so, 77. But, yeah, fame is definitely a good predecessor for this movie. So, really, they're just kind of, it ends up being kind of, it's like a musical, but in a different kind of way. You know, instead yeah. of you're watching people sing and, like, hearing the, the songs, you know, in that way, like you would an opera or a musical, you know, the dance is, it, so it's, like what modern day ballet? I don't know. Well, I mean, it, How and, you and always it? And okay, and always the funny thing about you know the the funny critique is so these people have never heard, haven't heard most of this music yet. They oh, really no. know how to dance. They can dance. That was really my well. that, like, they, that is like, my thing. Especially about this movie. at the end when they finally have the prom and like all the yeah. break dancers and stuff. It's like oh okay, like you I mean, can't tell me these people have MTV and they could no, have known they, how to do, do the moonwalk and do all the awesome break dancing and stuff. It's like come on. No, that that's why like the one. That I was going to make a different point, but since since you mentioned that, um, 
I noted like the very like one of the early scenes when she takes the radio out of Chuck's car yeah. and puts in a and puts in, you know, an illegal tape and da- plays a song in, dancing in the sheets with a David Hasselhoff lookalike at the arcade. Well, how does <laughs> here's number one. Number one. Um, she's using like a pretty shitty little boombox. Yeah, how does everybody? How does, how does everyone hear this music? Yeah. And number two, everyone like all of a sudden knows how to be, you know, a dancer. Yeah. And and it's pretty. All of that is a little ridiculous, but that's why it makes it seem like it's more like a musical because all of a sudden you have all these people there that are, you know, they're. And not until the end you really see how choreographed some of the dancing is because they're actually doing some things together. But it ends up it has this feeling of a musical. But the other point I was going to make is the one character, Willard, played by the late Chris Penn, uh, you know, he really in real life couldn't dance. I saw I read that. I read that today. And so there were, and so he's almost like the most real character in this movie yeah. where he can't dance and Ren is like, well, you know, if we're going to have this thing, I'm going to teach you how to dance just so and but and he's not like a stuck up jerk. He's just more kind of like I like the simple things in my town. And he's getting exposed to it, but not in any kind of way that is, you know, like an asshole or anything. He's just he's just getting exposed to it. And and it's an outlet for him. It's just another fun thing to do. Now, he does get in a lot of fights. So maybe this helps him release some of that tension. But, yeah, he's kind of like the most real character as far as his placement into this town. I think that I think for me, though, like watching it now. It, that this, if you remove all of the dance montages, <laughs> all the dance videos in this movie, from like the bar scene to him in the warehouse, uh, the tractors, training, the tra- yeah, the tractors. It's not a dance scene, but it's, it's got like yeah, one of the like best music songs video. ever. And if you remove all of that, this movie's pretty serious. Because yeah. it's about censorship. I mean, it's it's about how because like from the very beginning of the movie too, you have these like very kind of super religious people from Shaw's church who are talking about like making sure the school doesn't teach a certain number of books, and then they keep bringing up you know this idea of of these books, and and, and that's one of the first times we see Ren really kind of speak up. Yeah. About, you know, his points of view is they're they're talking about a book that um, they don't want the school to teach. And he's just like, oh, that's a great book. And they kind of like look at him like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, she's like, well, maybe it's a classic in your time. He's like, no, it's a classic in any town. It's a classic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, so really a lot of it has to do with like censorship and control of of the people in the town and and John John Lithgow's character is is really kind of interesting because he is not super authoritarian he in, in a sense that he yes he has a demeanor where he's not like locking people up and like calling the cops on people you know that's all of his all the people that follow him are doing that but he's he's Eventually, he kind of turns things around, in you know, and and 
you know, has more of an open mind with the help of his wife. Yeah. Um, who really kind of teaches him that, you know, you really kind of have to, re- you know, remember when we were young kind of thing. But also and, um, the whole town isn't his responsibility. Well, and, and exactly, you know, for some reason, this town, like all everyone looks to him, you know, like he's the next step to God or something like that. Yeah. And and I think a lot of that is just that they're freaking scared now. And yeah, and, and, and you know what? I think, you know, a lot of this movie was filmed in like Utah. Yeah. And Utah is, you know, synonymous for being um Having a lot of rules, like far, as far as you know, alcohol and a lot of different things, and it's it's a very strict state. It was filmed there, but it's based on a town from Oklahoma, which is Just not that far away. Yeah, which is not that far away, and um, you know, so so it's um. We're not talking about something that is just like some fictional thing. This is actually this stuff this, like this, uh, this does happened. actually happen. Yeah, you know, this all really happens. You think the movie's serious the, the, because of censorship? It's not censorship and just kind of oppression of like thought and yeah. just you know trying to trying to just make people afraid of these things. Like, oh my god, don't read. You know. Don't I forget it was a Slaughterhouse Five? Yeah. I think was the book. He's like, don't read Slaughterhouse Five. This movie, we can't have our kids reading this, yeah. you know, and just making them afraid of it, and um, without actually, you know, having an open mind to it and realizing what it's about. Well, I think that's what that's and that's one of the things is they were all afraid that, oh my God, because this one more group of people died. Because, you know, they were listening to music and they went dancing or whatever and they all died. We're afraid to have any of our kids listen to this stuff because that might happen to them, too. OK, well, let's 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 pull back a little bit and look at other things that have been similar to this. Like, think about think about when different murders have happened or different or when like oh, when Columbine happened and what oh, did they want to do. They wanted to blame certain kinds of music as the reasons why those two kids came in and did all the shooting. I mean, and now right. school shootings are so frequent well not right now because no one's actually physically in school but i mean just think of any kind of major tragedy that can happen in a small community and people not having answers for why it happened and then just kind of overreacting in how to make sure it never happens again without ever really understanding well what what was the problem and was it just truly an accident and you can't live in fear and and the way that this movie's set up is that you know you you had five plus years of them living this certain way you had these rebellious elements already in the community with all these teenagers that were just getting very antsy and then you have Ren show up and Ren kind of right. be the the light that you know the the match that lights the fuse to make it all right. explode and and I think it's just I think it's interesting I think it's an interesting story about how to you know show that young people can make change, you know, you know, initiate change. I mean, again, it's, you know, it's like, what did he do? Oh, he brought a senior prom to the town. Great. But even still, just kind of like to really kind of change hearts and minds and, you know, really kind of help. I mean, I really feel like so much of his role was helping that family heal from the loss of their son. And True. And again, I just, I just think this movie's so much fun, too. I mean, I was having a ball watching it, and 
listeners, if you, you guys don't know me very well at all, but I love dancing. So <laughs> it's fun to, it's fun to, you know, kind of dance around and think about, you know, how crazy it would be to not be allowed to dance ever because, you know, a preacher says you can't. I mean, to me, this is just, that is just crazy talk. So one thing, one thing that I noticed in this movie though, which is, which I had never noticed before. And during this watch, I noticed is they technically don't bring dancing back to their town. Yeah, it's across the, the, it's across the, across the it, county it's line. It's right across the county line is they go to a whole other town to, to do it. It's like 30 miles away from their town. No, it wasn't. That's what they said. They said it was. No, I thought they said it was the like he, thirty miles. He first said it's thirty oh, miles away, and then his oh, and his boss said, "Oh, wait right a second, there. the tracks yeah. are there, and they're not going to come and put out a fire at my place because it's a different county. So I think I can host a party here." Yeah, that's right. So, but still, it seems so. It's so crazy. But that, the end result you know, is the I, same. The end result is I know. Their dance, I know. So, all those I mean, ki- all those same cares? kids go there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and but, the but pro- it, the problem with the father and the daughter, you know, the, they they bridge that gap, and he finally was able to like let go a little bit and let her, you know, you know, spread her wings and put on a pretty prom dress and go out with Ren in his Ren. red tuxedo jacket. <laughs> so this movie is unique in one other way too. I can't think of another movie that plays a full version of one song three separate times with its lyrics because the movie opens with Footloose, it plays it in the bar and that's when Sarah Jessica Parker gets to finally like she can't handle it anymore, she's got to dance, so she gets yeah. up and dance. And then of course it ends with Footloose. So that's, mm-hmm. I think that's definitely unique. I mean, there's definitely plenty of movies that have a, a song repeat and it's kind of an instrumental version throughout, but I don't know of yeah. any other movie that does this. No. So, I mean, I'm glad it's called Footloose. <laughs> Makes sense that that's the same ti- the titles. So what do you, what song. do you think? What do you, what do you think came first? Like, who knows? Do you think, who knows? All, all I, I think know that is, awesome is, guitar, you know, that first riff, is what came first. I'm glad you think it's awesome. Come on, Matt. How do you not? How do you not love this movie? This oh, I don't dislike the movie. We watched I think it the mo- so I think the movie, many times. I think that this movie is fine for its message and everything. I could just, I could do without some of the, you know, some of the dance on, you know. Stuff you can't do without the bacon hoedown, though, right? You know what the bacon hoedown is, right? The bake. Oh, when he does the thing in the um, in the warehouse. No, the bacon hoedown. Like picture him at the at the prominence when you know the everybody cut everybody cut, and he kind of like, oh, does a yeah. side to side 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 kind of little dance. I'll do that yeah. around my the, house. The two, the, the two girls, but the, the two girls behind him are definitely professional dancers. Oh yeah, <laughs> so. the bacon hoedown. Uh, it's so great. It's a gif. It's a gif. You can like pull up, pull up bacon hoedown. No, not bacon hoedown. <laughs> pull up. That's your call. That's what you're calling. That's it? what I call. I think. I think we should. I, I think we should get that started. Hashtag bacon hoedown. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, you just put in footloose in like a gif, um, gif generator, and boom. That's what you see, his his little feet across the across the dance floor. I gotcha. It's awesome. Yeah. Oh, what was the, I was just about to say something, and um, we were saying about the music, and I forget. You were going to talk about how awesome um, 
Oh, I was going to ask you Bonnie Taylor's favorite. Bonnie Taylor's song is on the tractors because that song is so great. Yeah, I, I think that one's okay. Um, what I was going to ask you was, who is your favorite character and what is your favorite scene? Okay, so officially Ren is my favorite character, but the mom, Vi, is a very, very close runner-up. So Diane Di- Weiss is Diane a Weiss. very, very close second. Another, another, um, another uh, super mom appearance, character. Another appearance it, by Diane at Weiss. At least her third. At least yeah. her third on our podcast. What about you? I think... Um, I actually think that my favorite character um, is is um, is Andy, his boss at the uh, at the mill, because when he meets him, you kind of you know, he kind of is like, are you messing with me? And he just is straight up with him like you are an outsider, man. People you're going to have a hard time. And then he helps him get the have the dance at his at his mill. And then at the very end, when Shaw and, and Vi are like kind of kind of, mm-hmm. you know, snoo- snooping on what's going on there. And he sees them and he's like, you're the last person I would have expected yeah. to be here and and everything. And he's like, you did a good thing. He's kind of like the, um, you know how in uh, uh, Big Lebowski, how Sam Elliott's yes. in it? But he just like yes. sits at a bar. He's kind of like the <laughs> Sam Elliott character. That's <laughs> you a know? good comparison. He just, kind of, he just kind of like pops in when he needs to be there to give yeah. like some Yoda advice. Yeah, no, that's a good comparison. <laughs> um, my favorite scene. Um, I could tell you mine. Go ahead. Mine's the tractor scene. Tractor scene is awesome. and Mine's the tractor scene. Yeah, you know what? It's probably my favorite. I think it's my favorite scene, too. I mean, yeah. It's it's probably the... It's It might be next next to Bacon Hoedown, the tractor scene might be the most famous scene, like, from yeah. this movie that people, like, like imagine. Yeah. It, that, that's pretty good, so. Tractor scene. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the tractor scene—it's so good. And I mean, he and he and Ariel hadn't gotten together yet, and she was still on Team Chuck at that point. But um, although, I mean, I don't really—I I don't have like "Let's Hear It for the Boy" like on a playlist because that song is pretty goofy. But I do like when he teaches Chris Penn how to dance. <laughs> I do, I do like that little montage. I think that's pretty cute. Okay. <laughs> Speaking right. of Chris Penn, yeah. we're actually in this listeners. This was not planned. There are, are two Penn brothers in this movie. <laughs> We've got Chris Penn and Sean Penn in the next one. But I mean, do you have any in this podcast in this podcast? Excuse me. We have two two members of the Penn family that we're talking about in our podcast tonight. We've got Chris Penn in Footloose and then we'll have Sean Penn in a few minutes in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. But did you have any other final thoughts on Footloose or did you hate rewatching it? No. I mean, I think that, I think that that, like I said, one of the things that I think is great about this movie is kind of the, the, the message about censorship. And then he, his whole thing when he goes to the city council to, to get, try and get permission to have the dance and, and he, he he's very eloquent about it. Apparently, Kevin Bacon hates talking in front of in yeah. front of people. So, um, and yet he's why, an actor. Then why, then why be an actor or a musician? Because I think like he's like you can go and find him online, and he's like just making music now. That's like his big thing. He and his brother, so they are the Bacon brothers. Oh, wow! 
So is their first is their first album called We're Here for Breakfast or no, or something like that? I don't know. But I know they're the Bacon Brothers. <laughs> the Bacon Brothers. Yep. Great in a burger. <laughs> <laughs> Do they make short songs and they call them bacon bits? <gasps> <laughs> No, the ringtones of their songs would be bacon bits. Their little bacon bits. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, maybe that's what they call their kids. Aww. <laughs> no, I don't have any final thoughts. And um, but no, it was not bad to rewatch this. Um, my wife watching it with her, she has kind of a very strong reaction to it because um, she had to go to private school. And she had to deal with a lot of like the censorship and not letting people like you couldn't listen to this or watch this or and stuff like that. I mean, she could do that at home, but and grew up with a lot of people that are that were in this kind of environment in this in this community. So there's some there's a couple things that happen in the movie that are kind of triggering for her. Yeah. Um, but it's nice. It's interesting having that point of view because we did not grow up like that. No. So I think. Well, Matt, look at all the it, movies we got to watch as kids. No shit. <laughs> but um, we watched but a lot of, of MTV too. But because of that, I think that like we didn't. We weren't. Ex- we weren't living in that kind of world. So I think I felt like when I was watching it, kind of oblivious. To that whole aspect of it because I didn't understand what was going on and then as I got older and had different friends and then after I met my wife like watching it I had I like had this totally like no shit kind of kind of kind of way of looking at this movie because yeah. because you know this movie came out in 84 I was like uh-huh. 5 and we would watch it and I and, and yeah it was like watching a music video and it wasn't like you know I wasn't getting the whole censorship aspect of it but as an adult you know you watch it and you're like you know what there's a lot more going on in this movie now you probably have you're old you're older I was so older and, I mean and I certainly got the she was being bossed around and Ariel in particular was being bossed around and being told what she can and can't do and I was Which very you never, sensitive you were not to like that, that. No, no I was Nancy. very very sensitive to that Nancy Nancy didn't like being told to pack pants <laughs> when we went camping well I wasn't told to I was just I'm gonna pack my bag myself and then I forgot to pack pants but we've talked about that already. I believe we you talked were, about that in the meatballs episode. So Nancy, Nancy was screaming at the age of five. I am an independent woman. More or less. Yeah. <laughs> I know so. what I'm doing. <laughs> now, now how do I tie my shoe? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. I would not have been able to survive as a preacher's daughter. Wow. Cannot even imagine. But, I mean, yeah, look at how... I mean, okay, here's a question for you. And this will be interesting Mm -hmm. for our next movie. How much more rebellious do you think Ariel was because she was a preacher's daughter? Oh, I think that she was probably... She probably already had kind of a free spirit. Yeah. But because of the oppression that she felt she was very much like, I got to get out of this town. And I don't think she, and I think she got that because she was older. You know, it's not like her brother died, you know, it was her older brother. And it's not like he died like a month before this movie takes place. It was years before. Yeah. She was probably like 12. 
right. or 13, maybe, when he died. So think think of the timing of that. Like, you're, ju- you're like, becoming a teenager. You're already kind of getting exposed to things. And then you have, you're the preacher's daughter. And there's so many expectations that you have that are made of you. Yeah. That... You know, and she didn't want any of that. She just wanted to get out of there at that point. She was like, F this place. Yeah. So she had already had, I think that she was already kind of living a rebellious life, probably. Yeah. You know, still as the preacher's daughter, you know, when she was before her brother died. And then when this, then when that happened, it was like, now I'm putting full lockdown on your life. Then she probably rebelled more. So I don't think it was necessarily. Being the preacher's daughter as much as it was having the new rules forced upon you that you had, you know, later as you got older. Yeah. And who know, and who knows? I mean, they have the dance. Maybe she changes. Maybe the relationship with her father changes because and maybe he sees her differently. You know, maybe she's still kind of rebellious, but there's a different kind of understanding there, you know, yeah. because of. You know, being able to do this. I mean, face it, maybe Ren is the villain in this, Nancy. Oh, no, no he is <laughs> so, so another thing I want to mention briefly, like a lot of movies we've already discussed, this movie was subject to a remake that came out sometime in the last 10 years. By On principle alone, I have never seen it, and I have no interest in seeing it. And I just don't see how it's remade at all. Um... I mean, I know that in, like, the 90s, they they made, like, an actual musical of this movie, and maybe it's based on the musical, kind of like, like, Valley Girl, like, they mm. made a, they made a musical of Valley Girl, and then they made a movie of the musical mm. as a remake, so it went from, it went from movie to musical to musical movie. Well, I'll tell you, I think, <laughs> I, I think some of the professional dancers from Dancing with the Stars ended up being in the remake. So it was almost like the dancers from Dancing with the Stars need a reason to be in a movie. Oh, hey, there was that movie from the 80s that hasn't been remade yet, and it was all about dancing. Let's just do that. And for me, I just... I just, I, I, I just don't know. I'm not interested. You know, there, there are some remakes that I know you absolutely love. Which ones? Um, uh, Star is Born. You love the Star yeah, is Born. Yeah, I've never seen the mm-hmm. I've never seen the originals. I, I've never seen oh. any of the other ones. There's three other versions. I've never seen any of those. So I, I guess I guess what it come, but that brings me to my point where sometimes it's just a matter of they remake it for that audience. I mean, there's a lot of movies we've we've watched that are actually remakes of other movies that might even have a totally different name, but it's the same freaking movie. I mean, and look at Shakespeare. How many Shakespeare things have been have been made with different different titles or whatnot, but it's the same story over and over and over again. Yeah. So I don't know. Footloose just feels It's for a different generation. Footloose we grew up feels with it. It's sacred to me, okay? Well, okay. Well, I'm not <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not applauding the remake of it. I'm just saying it they make it for a different generation sometimes. Yeah. So everyone's got a dollar to make, Nancy. I guess. So. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of people making things and dollars, which is actually not where I'm this is a terrible segue. Are you talking about twelve um, it takes it costs twelve fifty for front row tickets to Van Halen concert? Holy fucking shit, dude. <laughs> I was watching this I was watching this going when 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 
when they go to buy the t- the Van Halen tickets and he goes twenty bucks, he's like, they're twelve fifty at the box office. Twenty dollars for Van Halen in nineteen eighty two in row. the first ten rows. In the first ten rows, I would have paid fifty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I bringing this up? Because I'm about to talk about Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which is it's just a fun high school movie that takes place over the course of a school year and um, came out in 1982, written by Cameron Crowe based on a book he, he, he made Directed by Amy Heckerling, who then who did other great comedies in the eighties as Johnny Dangerously, uh, National Lampoon's European Vacation, kind of did a down note with the Look Who's Talking movies, but then in the nineties came out with Clueless. This movie has all the fun things that high school kids you know know and love that i did not experience a lot of um it's got sex drugs and rock and roll is basically what they talk about in this and with as we talked about with almost famous cameron crowe has a huge musical kind of background so uh, you have a lot of great music in this i mean it starts off it starts off with the go-go's and that the the up-tempo fun of we got the beat it really kind of drives you into this movie and it is a very it tries to really kind of sum up you know teenage life you know in southern california yep uh, where it starts out with what where do teenagers where did teenagers go in the 80s the mall the mall and so you know and it starts out in the mall and it just kind of take and it's the end of summer school's about to start one of our main characters, Jennifer Jason Lee, is about to become a freshman in high school. And then you see all the shit she does in this movie, and you're like, no fucking way is she a freshman in high school, but she is. We really kind of follow her story along with her brother, Brad, played by Judge Reinhold. Who looks like who is a senior, <laughs> Who is a senior. Oh, yeah. The 80s age problem, very strong in this movie. I mean, Jennifer Jason Lee was 20 playing a, like a 15-year-old. And, and man, Judge Reinhold has always like looked ma- very mature. He always looked oh, yeah. 10 I don't, plus if you years look at older him now, than his age actually was. If you look at him now, he doesn't look that different than he did yeah. then because it's like he he's was always Maybe mature. Maybe he's like a Benjamin Button in that way or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yes, he's Benjamin Button. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's a lot of iconic things about this movie. Um, to back to our Penn connection, this movie also stars Sean Penn in one of his most iconic roles as Jeff Spicoli, <laughs> um, the surfer stoner who, stoner who is constantly late to history class and loves to eat and um, never has any money. You know, and his he's got two wonderful best friends. <laughs> Played by Eric Stoltz and a very young Anthony Edwards, mm-hmm. who who you know we all think of as Doctor Green on ER, but he or uh, from Revenge of the Nerds, but mm-hmm. he he has a uh, uh, he plays his friend and I don't think he has any lines. It, I never see his mouth really move. Yeah. It's mainly Eric Stoltz yeah. talking. Forrest Whitaker is in this movie. Forrest Whitaker is like, in this we've movie. Got like three Phoebe Oscar Cates winners in this movie. <laughs> Phoebe Cates is in this. Yeah, she plays 
uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's best friend, and and she's probably in, she stars in one of the most iconic like scenes. fantasy scenes of all the eighties. Period of like, all movies. I mean that that might be one of the most iconic fantasy scenes of all movies in a lot of ways, but um, where she. Uh, comes out of the pool in the red bikini yeah. and then takes her top off, making out with with uh, Brad with Brad in his pirate outfit. In his pirate. <laughs> outfit. <laughs> oh no! Wait, in the fantasy, he's wearing a suit. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't know. This movie is a ton of fun. It's hilarious. Yeah. It um, it's probably you know it's one of those teen comedies from the eighties that very openly talks about sex uh, and, and all the time like the whole all movie. the time like the whole movie especially between Jennifer Jason Lee and uh, Phoebe Cates you know from the very beginning of the movie she's Phoebe Cates is telling her about how to hook up with a 26 year old guy <laughs> can, we, can we can we talk about the elephant in the room right now though do you really think that she was as sexually active if at all that she was portraying herself as. What do you mean? Okay. I mean, so from she, ju- mean more than what we saw? Well, we never saw... I'm talking about Phoebe Cates' character. I'm talking about Linda. Oh, Phoebe Cates. I think oh, I'm, oh. I have a f- suspicion that Linda's... Linda kind of like... All talk? Well, kind of like in American Beauty, how, you know, the oh, friend was always character, yeah. talking about it but had never actually had really sex. done it and yeah. i just i get that vibe from linda i mean there was this mysterious doug character in chicago but i i don't i think he was made up i think she i don't was, think so i think that i think that i think that because she was older than him or older than her she wasn't like bit. the same age she was she was she might have been even a senior um i actually think that she probably did have um a college boyfriend who, or he was a flight. Wasn't he like a? Didn't he work for like an airline something or something like that. like that? Maybe, maybe it was. Maybe he didn't work for an airline. But she was. I, I'm gonna take take everything as she did. She did have an older boyfriend. Just he was gone, and that's just how it yeah. is. But and I and I assume they met at the pizza place. Like they weren't friends before. Yeah. Like she, you know. Stacy gets a, a job at the pizza place in the mall and meets Linda, and Linda tries to teach her the ropes. The ropes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... It's not, you know, it's not got, the only mentor-student relationship, though, because then you've got... No, no. The very got, tragic <laughs> Mike Damone-Mark yeah. Ratner relationship. Right. So, oh. yeah, there. you know, you've got Mark, who is... You know, they don't really say how what grade I he's in. I think they're in. both freshmen. I think Mark but and Stacy. Let's are both just assume. Freshmen. Yeah, because I mean, they have some classes well, together, but Stacy also older, has a class with Spicoli. He, you know what though? You know what? Let's just say that they don't. Kids are in all sorts of different classes. It's not just freshmen, sophomore. Like you're not because Mark drove, so he had to be at least yeah. a sophomore or a junior. Yeah, I think that I think that the only two characters that they're very clear about being a senior and a freshman are Stacy Hamilton and Brad Hamilton. You know, and, and, and Lisa. I thought Spicoli was a senior because he was going to his graduation dance. True. Or was he just I attending mean, the dance? He could have just been attending, yeah. but but I think that well, he doesn't even say graduation. I think he just says like end of the year dance okay. or something like that. But but. 
the point is, is like, <laughs> it's ambiguous how old the other characters are in this movie. I watched this for the first time on TV. So, oh, yeah, tons of stuff was cut. Uh, so there was so much cut in this movie when we first watched it. And then I was probably in high school the first time I watched it yeah. uncut. And I was like, holy shit, I don't remember any of this happening. <laughs> oh, I don't think I saw it uncut until probably sometime in, like, the last ten years. I mean, I, oh, I was really? able to fill in the blanks. It's not like I didn't know what happened. But you didn't realize, like, how much nudity there was. Correct. Or, you know... I, I'm sure they cut the whole carrot scene, at, you know, at the beginning of the movie. No, they had that. I think I remember seeing that, but we didn't but, have this movie on VHS. I don't remember us watching this. I don't remember. I th- I remember having a maybe having a dub of it, but even if we did, I think we recorded it from TV from like a cable television, sh- like mm-hmm. not premium. So, so it wasn't until I was in high school and I watched it with friends. So I was like, what the fuck? going on yeah. in this movie and then that was when like my eyes like opened up and I was like this movie is way better than I even thought it was <laughs> but you know it's fun you know and I I always there's times in within like the last like couple years even like I've been like I want to watch Fast Times yeah you know because it's a fun movie yeah and I really like um Ray Walston's character Mr. Hand Mr. Hand Aloha. is great. Um, and even uh, Vincent Schiavelli uh, as uh, Mr. Vargas, the science teacher. I mean, you've got some... There's some interesting adults in this yeah. movie that, yeah. that is great. Um, we get a... Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but Lisa... Yes. ...is Tina from uh, from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and... And Beth. And, from Be- and Beth from Better Out Dead. Yeah. yeah, she's in this. She's less recognizable with the longer hair. I will say that. Yes. she had the short bob in both Nightmare and uh, Better Off Dead. Right. And... Um, yeah, young Forrest Whitaker mm-hmm. as as Charles Jefferson, the football player who he really I think he has like one line in this movie. No, he has he the scene. There's lines. the scene. He had a few because there's the scene when he goes to get the Earth, Wind, and Fire tickets from Damone, and then when he when uh, he pulls up and Damone's like, "Oh yeah, I know, I know Jefferson," and he and he's like, "Hey man, ha- nice car," and Jefferson's just like, "Don't fuck with it." Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I don't know. I mean, this I I can't I don't really want to go into all the details of this movie, with the exception of a couple things, just because, again, there are some serious aspects to this movie when it comes to uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character. Um, In particular, she tried, you know, Mark Ratner tries to have a relationship with her and he does not handle it well because he's he's, not, shy. he's 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 shy he's nervous he's in a, i mean he just he's he's awkward yeah. you know and he's like and he's scared you know he's like you know he takes her out on a date i'm watching like this is this is the face people can, who are listening to this can't see this mm-hmm. but nancy could see this but the face i was making the whole time when they go on their date he drives her home. She invites him in. Yeah. Brother is not there. Parents aren't there. She goes, I'm going to change. Leaves the door open. 
goes into her bedroom and he's just standing outside her door like trying to not pay attention she takes off her clothes and just puts on only a robe <laughs> after and, she says can you unzip me it zip. always gets stuck and he's like yeah exactly and the whole time i've got like my hands yeah, like yeah. in my fist it's very awkward. and like in my over my eyes and i'm like punching him like i'm like making the punching like motion to the screen like you fucking what are you doing but i get it I get it. Um, I'm sure other people understand the torment he was going through at that time. And, um, but yeah, it, uh, the way he reacts to like, she's, she's making all these moves and he just isn't doing it. They, they make out a little bit and then he gets kind of freaked out and he just bolts. Yeah. And after that, she just loses interest in him because she thinks that he doesn't like her. Yeah. And and which I think is a very kind of like that whole storyline right there is just like a very real kind of thing for high school kids. Well, you have and to then you have with to re- misunder miscommunication and misunderstanding because there's so much immaturity there. But but be, before all that happened, she had a she had a one night stand with the older guy. So she already kind yeah. of is coming into this more experienced and kind of has right. this set ex- set of expectations of how a guy would be. And because she gets Linda in her ear all the time talking about sex and what guys want and what older guys are yeah. like. And I mean, she's, she, you know, I, I think so much focus in movies is always about, like teenage boys and what their crazy hormones are like and how out of control they are. But I think this movie is a great example of how teenage girls deal with just as much of that as teenage exactly. boys do. I, I, and I think I totally almost agree. more of the focus in this movie is about the teenage girl experience of having yeah. to kind of, kind of talk it out because the guys don't talk it out as much. I mean, Damone is just trying to tell him what moves to make, but not, in the detail of, you know, well, you got to, you touch her this way and you do this. And I mean, not, right. not in the same way because, well, you'll get there, I guess. But with well, Damone, I mean. Well, ultimately what happens then is after they go on their date, she kind of starts falling for Damone. Yeah. And he is like, hey, you know, he starts walking with her home and he's like, hey, you know, that guy, my buddy rat, you know he really likes you. And she's like, you know, he's nice and all, but I think I like you. Cause she's just seems like he's got more of, he's got swagger. He's got, he's got swagger. And he yeah, knows how to talk to her. Yeah. And he, he does little things like that, that slick move of her locker wasn't opening. And he just like, taps he opened it, it, it for like, her. Oh, hey, yeah. how's it going? And he's right. just, you know, he's such an asshole, but he's so complicated. I feel like right. there's a lot of complexity to Damone and, well, we'll talk about that. Well, so they walk home and then she's like, she's like, well, this is, this is me. And he goes, you got any iced tea? Like she he invites, invites him himself first. in. She invites she does. him first, I think. She does. I thought he he invited himself in. But, you know, they, she goes. It's pretty mutual. I mean, let's. Be and then honest. and then he's like, mutual. must. Yeah. And then he's like, must be nice having a pool. So he's just like, want to go swimming? Let me go get changed. You can get changed in the in the in the pool room or whatever they have out in the back and in the pool house. And then they put the moves on each other and they have sex for like eight seconds. For, yeah. <clears throat> no, no. She tells Linda it was like 15 minutes. minutes. <laughs> oh my God. So 
couple things happen in the movie. Time passes, and she gets pregnant. Asks him to have, you know, tells him, you know, they talk it. They they kind of talk it out. He basically says it's her fault. It, you know, you wanted you wanted it more than I did, and he's just such a fucking prick. And um, then she, uh, you know. They talk about getting an abortion. She's like, I've already called. It's going to cost this much. Let's split. Can split it with me and give me a ride. And that's all I need you to do, you know, because he's being kind of a, he's being a dick to her. And he tries to get the money like he his whole thing is he he scalps tickets and yeah. he starts calling people for money that they owe him and he can't get the money. So he just decides to bail on the whole thing. And nice, Prince. right? Luckily, they, you know, she tells Linda, and Linda, you know, kind of gets a little bit, bit of revenge for her friend by like smearing his name all over all over school yeah. by calling him a, a little prick. And um, so that's probably one of the most that's probably the most serious complex star- story in yes. the whole movie. Yes, and unwanted and, pregnancy. Um, yes, yeah, which. When you're watching this movie from the beginning, and you have characters like Spicoli, yeah, or um, like the kind of the kind of craziness of you know how Brad is with his job and stuff, yeah. and his whole like I'm going to break up with my girlfriends because we're seniors now, and I I just want to live, I want to have some freedom or whatnot, and yeah. then she dumps him with the exact same speech. Yeah, that's the look on his face, like son of a bitch, she got me before I could get her. You have that kind of stuff, but then, so you're watching it, you're like, this is going to be kind of a fun, light movie, and then this fucking happens, and you're like, holy fucking shit, what the hell is going well, on here? Well, I watched Fast Times first, because I, just because of, like, that heavy storyline. It's like, I'll deal with censorship and a crazy preacher later today, because I know that there's so much fun dancing in Footloose for most of the movie. It's like, Fast Times, Fast Times is intense, and, and there's a lot of... There's a lot of betrayal. I mean, the way that Damone treats Stacy and treats Mark. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's He's a dick. Despicable. I mean, it's... I don't know how he does that to his friend. I just don't get it. I mean, no matter how much she was, you know, trying to lure Mike over or whatever. I right. mean, if he was a friend, he wouldn't have done that. Even if he thought that Mark wasn't going to ever step up. And right. and put the moves on her himself, and and then he tries to like let Mark know, hey, you know, she's just a really aggressive girl. She's not, she's not the kind of person you're gonna want. And it's like she's, she, you know, she's just all mixed up. I mean, look at all this that happened to her in the course of one year. I mean, it's every a mess. every. Every 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 line that he that that is written for him is like something. That almost comes out like is almost every excuse like some like a rapist would use. <laughs> I mean, like she wanted it kind yeah. of thing, and it just kind of yeah. it just so it just so blah. It's just so sleazy and terrible. Yeah. But I throughout the movie, um, you end up kind of helping you get through all of that is a lot of really good music. Oh, sure. <laughs> in, yeah, in, in, comparison, in comparison to what you get on the, um, from Footloose, well, you still different. get some, they're very different because one tries to kind of, um, 
toe the line of almost like what you would like more Midwestern, whereas this is more LA. Yeah. You know, California well, kind of and, stuff. I mean, and Fast Times get, like, came the out cars. So yeah, it, yeah. So there's still some like late 70s influence. Yeah, but I mean, you still have like the go, like I said, the Go Go's have a couple songs. You got Stevie Nicks, you got The Cars. The Cars uh, is the song that Only Go, that only go Bongo. In the pool, right? Isn't that. Yes. A song yeah, by the Cars. That's, yeah. that's so good. But I think I think also with a lot of the songs that they had in Footloose, they were kind of trying to stay more with the Midwest kind of Southern mm-hmm. kind of kind of American musics too. Yep. So, so it's a little, so it's a little different. But again, you've got Cameron Crowe who you know has a huge music background, um, even to the point where he gets. Um, I don't think they were married at the time, but then future wife Nancy Wilson yeah. in this movie. Uh, in the car with uh, what is probably the fuzziest sweater you'll ever see. Um, Where she's laughing at Brad. She's laughing at Brad in his pirate outfit. It's a it's a lot of fun. And the one thing that I would like to, which is not really, you know, I, I was just thinking about this and, and it's probably also because I've, I, you know, binge watched Cobra Kai is um, there's one thing that's very interesting about this movie and then thinking about, like, when I was in high school, I thought, like, I think a lot of kids in high school think they know everything. And then you turn, and, like, I've always felt like, then when you get in your 20s, you realize you didn't know shit in high school. And then when you get in your 30s, you, you know, you realize you didn't know shit in your 20s. And you just kind of, as you get older, you kind of just things change and you just learn a little bit more about how life is. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I would say is there's certain characters in this movie that you don't know, like what their whole background is. So in, in you, when I started watching Cobra Kai, it was interesting seeing like the other side of like the bully's life. Mm. So, you know, I'm not defending like Damone or any of the other people or, or like or Chuck in Footloose, but I think it's interesting knowing that when you're in high school, there's a lot of things you don't know about other people. Mm-hmm. So you just react to how they act to you. Do you know what I mean? That's like a rule for all of life. You don't know what I, someone the, else is dealing with unless they really, really are open and vulnerable and tell you. No, and exactly. But in high school, that seems like it's even more because, like, you're having to – that's your first time having to deal with a lot of real-life things. Mm -hmm. And I think we've talked about this before where I think it's easy to just think about, like, what your own situation is and not think about what other people's situation is. And that's a lot more clear when you're younger than when you're older because when you're older, hopefully you have a – you're more socially conscious about what things happen to people in real life. Yeah. So well, well, let me jump in, and I'm just gonna jump to favorite character. So Stacy's my favorite character. I feel like this movie you root for her the most through the whole yeah. through the whole journey. Yeah. But for all the stuff I've we've both said about him, I think Damone is a very interesting, complicated character who mm-hmm. I think has 
there's more to offer with him than I think, like, Brad. Brad is pretty basic. Like, there's not a lot. No. You know, he's he's career-driven. He he has a good sense of himself, but then his identity's kind of broken apart when he gets fired. And, like, he's kind of just floating his senior year. Okay, that's his story. Linda is boy crazy. She has this supposed mystery boyfriend across the country, and she's constantly talking about sex. That's about her whole function. And Mark mm-hmm. is lovesick. You know, I mean, that scene where he's sitting in Damone's bedroom, he's like, I'm in love. And Mark, Mike's not even listening to him. He's like, I'm in love. Like, I'm in love with this girl <laughs> at the pizza parlor. You know, so he's, and he's a very sweet character. And that's kind of what Stacy eventually sees in him and realizes, like, oh my God, like, I really want to get to know this guy. But I think Damone and Stacy have the most, um, most teased out kind of stories. Like, I think they're just, again, we don't really know a lot about Damone's background, but I feel like we, we're kind of there with him as he's, we see him struggle with being an asshole. Like, you know, he's, he's doing it a lot, but yeah, we see him kind of feeling like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I like him a lot. I mean, he's horrible, but yeah, but I, I, I mean, you, you got to admit that he, because of his connection to Stacy and and Rat, he he is very involved in this movie. Yeah, know, so. and and again, he made one major mistake. He never should have crossed that line. I mean, he yes, he was flirting with her, and yes, had he never broken her heart, she maybe never would have been able to be open to Mark. Like she never maybe would have seen Mark and been able to begin an actual relationship with him and be ready for a nice guy after being treated like crap by two guys before. Yeah. Um, But he, you know, he just didn't, he, he couldn't, he couldn't rise above his just natural instincts. And, and you know, people are who they are. And, yeah. you know, he he tried to be a friend of Mark, and Mark was just so insecure. I mean, I think that's yeah. the best way to explain Mark. He's just very, very insecure and nervous. And, I mean, he forgot yeah. his wallet. I mean, if he just remembered his wallet while sitting Never in those enormous happened. chairs at that German restaurant... Never would happen. Mike never would have, you know, come to the rescue, and Stacy never would have probably really even noticed Mike, or wouldn't have been introduced in the same way. Right. Um, and, and Spicoli, I mean, he's entertaining, he's but, you know, yeah. th- there's not a whole lot of there there. I mean, he's... I do think, though, that he paves the way for future surfers and future movie people like oh, Bill and Ted. Well, Bill and Ted. I think Bill yeah. and Ted. And I think even other things that Keanu Reeves has done, you know, yeah. especially like the, whoa. You know, I think there's certain yeah. things he's borrowed from Jeff, yeah. from Jeff Spicoli. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I'm going to say, since you're, ta- since you're talking about uh, Spicoli, my favorite character in this, even though he's not in it, you know, a ton I think my favorite character, like right now watching it, is Mr. Hand. I love the scenes with Mr. Hand and Spicoli in his classroom. You know, I don't know. That's beautiful. (laughs) Will I pass this class, Mr. Hand? I don't know. (laughs) It's stuff like that. It's just so good. It's funny because 
Ray Walston like uh, pops up in a couple other movies that we watched as kids. Like he's in Johnny Dangerously as the newspaper salesman, mm. and you know I don't know. I just love that scene. And then when he goes to his house at the end, he's just like, I figured you've wasted eight hours of my time and this that's, year. And so, that's a conservative. Conservative. Guess. Yes. <laughs> so so you know, and then he tries to give him the lesson. And and how long do you think that lesson was for? Like. Maybe two an hours. An hour. And no I was more thinking than maybe two an hours. hour. Yeah. I was thinking maybe like an hour. Like yeah. he spent an hour proving a point. I love and I love when he says, You'll probably just squeak by and it's like, dude, by. you do not ever want this kid in your class uh-uh. again. Come on, no. let's be honest. No. No. So You can give him a D plus. Come on. Get him out of your class. <laughs> So I think that definitely like especially right now, Mr. Hand is my favorite char- character. Um Wow. I was never really I can't like totally relate to a lot of the other characters yeah. and I don't think like even in high school I would have related to a lot of the other characters. Yeah. So I I think that, you know, just for entertainment factor, I love and 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 you know, it's not just oh I like the character of Mr. Hand. It's the back and forth between him and Spicoli. Well, yeah. And and and, and just how they are and um so my favorite scene um, is not just the Phoebe Cates pool scene. That's not just my. F- <laughs> that's not my only favorite scene. Um, it's iconic. We've talked. I mean, it is iconic. Well, and what's also iconic is the idea, like, like people who do not know what we're talking about. Um, Brad is masturbating to this fantasy of her coming out of the pool, taking her top off and making out. And you see him in the bathroom doing this. You know, it's not like X-rated, yeah. but you see what he's doing. You know what he's doing. And Phoebe Cates, you know, not in the fantasy and actual Linda's actual life. She dives in the pool, gets water in her ear. And she's like, oh, I need a Q-tip. Where are they? Do you have one? Oh, it's in the bathroom. And she walks in on him. Yeah. And then he goes, God, don't people knock in here any, anymore? And I was sitting there going, don't people lock fucking doors anymore? Yeah. Lock the bathroom, asshole. <laughs> I think that same pool scene, that whole pool scene when it's the four of them hanging out is my favorite scene. Yeah, but my other favorite scene, um, I really love the whole scene when Spicoli and... Um, Forrest Whitaker's um, kid brother take his car and then like they wreck it and then the whole like how they like paint it over to to like make it look yeah. like the rival high school yeah. crashed it yeah. and destroyed it and then he has the whole then he like goes off on the football field that whole like sequence of events is really fun to watch yeah. so um, anyway I did want to bring something up this is unintentionally been my summer of the pen men i earlier this pen men the pen, pen men yes can we so it's your pen men ship summer yes um because <laughs> early in the summer when i you know began this i'm gonna watch a ton of movies project i finally got to watch a movie that i've wanted to watch i don't know 25 years called At Close Range, and both Sean Penn and Chris Penn are in it. Christopher Walken's in it, too. It's really great. It's really dark. It's a... Um, I think it's set in Pennsylvania, set in, like, the late 70s. Gangster movie. Really good. Mm. 
finally got to see it. Live to Tell, the song by Madonna, is kind of featured throughout that whole movie. And anyways. The real reason you wanted to see it. Not the real reason. I was always interested. <laughs> well, I mean, that was maybe my initial reason. But mm. anyway, so I watched that. So that's both of them. And then just a couple weeks ago, I watched Mystic River, which stars Sean Penn and Kevin Bacon. So it's like oh. they're in that together. And then, of course, tonight, the two penmen. So it's four, pen men. four, sure. pen, four penmen movies in the last few months. So. Just, just so least, in case. There could be other ones that I'm just not remembering. In, in case any of our listeners are keeping track, how many movies are you up to this year? Give me a minute. I'll let you know. Hold on a second. Or we'll, we'll get back to it. I'll let you know before the end of the episode. Okay. Um, well, I don't have a, as much to say about this movie other than I, you know, it's a great movie. Um, it would probably be in my top 100 movies of all time for myself. Um, and... You know, Cameron Crowe, I mean, if you think about it, you know, you think about uh, directors who, you know, <clears throat> in their body of work during our lifetime, yes. you know, Cam- Cameron Crowe definitely, you know, just because of when he made movies, you think about the movies that we grew up watching and how many of his, you know, pop into our into our rotation. I mean, is this like, God, this is this like the th- fourth movie of no the, uh, okay for any for his involvement in any way shape or form in a movie yeah okay so we had say anything yeah we just had singles we had jerry Maguire. almost famous almost famous and now this so fifth at least yeah at there could have yeah. been <laughs> i mean i can't think of any that he just wrote we've watched a lot of movies i mean so, and, if we're missing one. And if, and if ever anyone's curious, I've watched, for the year so far, 231. 231. We're going for 366. <clears throat> so I've got some ground to make up to that, get That's a lot thing. of popcorn. Well, yeah. <laughs> Lots of movies. So, but it's good. Lots of movies. So, um, anyway. Well, is there anything else you'd like to mention about... I, I, I It was just really... I, I feel like these were are just two of the best movies about high school, about the eighties. I think it's interesting to pick the best. Okay. Wait, the best ever of uh, from the eighties of high. There's been some, uh, there's been some other pretty good some, ones. Well, I I'm mean, saying some, Club, there's some of the Breakfast best. Club? I said there's okay, some, the of the best. some of the best. <laughs> okay, and I think it's interesting best. to have a movie like footloose that had like a very specific goal. Like, you know, Ren comes to town. They don't allow dancing. He's going to make it his project to change that. This movie is more just kind of an observation of these six high school kids throughout their year of, you know, this one year of school. So it's a different kind of focus. Obviously things happen that need to be addressed, specifically the unwanted pregnancy. Um, Mm -hmm. But I mean, there is a, the way the stories are plotted out is very kind of different, but it's still so fun to watch them together. And again, you know, between the two movies, I mean, you've got 30-plus songs that would be an excellent playlist to put together. I can't disagree with half of that statement. <sighs> <laughs> well, and I think this was definitely our introduction to Kevin Bacon. And then we got to see him a bunch. This was, this was this. definitely... This was our introduction to Kevin Bacon. And then um, 
There's another movie um, that I remember watching a lot, but it's it's not very well known or that notable called Quicksilver, where he was a bicycle messenger. With Jamie Gertz and mm-hmm. and Lawrence Fishburne, right? Lawrence Fishburne? Yes, yeah. They're so bicy- I remember yeah. watching their bicycle messengers in New York. Um, trying to think of another uh, Bacon movie. Flatliners. That, we watched Flatliners, that in the late yeah. 90s, in the late 80s. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Bacon bits. Bacon. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. For anyone out there listening, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Follow us online. Um, many, many more movies for us to re- to watch and review. Yep. The list. The the list is still there. Yep. It's still long. And and listeners, and, just this isn't something I mentioned earlier, but. When we put the list together, Fast Times was actually the movie I was going to talk about originally. But Matt needed more movies on his side of the list, and he's like, I'll take that one. I'm like, okay, we'll put Footloose with this. Yeah, I think I just kind of, I think Nancy kind of stole it. No, I originally originally put it on, and then you stole it. Yeah, but, well, you originally put it on, but you did it before I could. And we've clearly, clearly, I've watched it probably more than you have. I've watched it a lot in the last, like, 15 years. I've probably watched it, like, four or five times in the last 15 years. And as our listeners know, that's a lot for me. You watching anything more than twice is is a lot for you. In the last 10, 15 years, yeah. Definitely. I just want to thank everybody for listening. And, um, again, my name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. This has been Fighting Over the VCR. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye.